Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome along to episode 91 of the Sofa Manager Scottish Football Podcast. And there is only one thing we can talk about this week, and it is, of course, the old enemy derby. Uh, Scotland versus England at Euro 2020 on Friday night, we know it's 21. Uh, game that very much united the nation. And we have lots of interesting things to talk about uh, from a multiple uh, or from different perspectives. I think we were all watching actually a different broadcast stream of it. So we'll discuss who had the, the better view of uh, the pundits and the commentary team, uh, interestingly enough. And we're also going to discuss uh, who won the tactical battle between Stevie Clark and Gareth Southgate, as well as what we thought of the performances of the players. Uh, a lot of people being hyped up, so we'll discuss some of those names. Uh, we will also discuss uh, as to whether we think Scotland are going to qualify for the rest of the tournament and how everyone else is getting on and some of the interesting things we've seen around social media and things like that. Also this week, there's going to be a wee quiz. I got a bit carried away on Friday and ordered a Scotland shirt with a certain name and number on it. So John and Andrew, who are joining me here tonight, will be tasked with guessing what name and number went on said shirt. So stay tuned for that. Leave a comment down below as to uh, what you think it was just now. Good luck with that. Um, and we will also be ranking uh, some of the Euro 2020 home tops in a tier list. Uh, so stay tuned for all that. Anyway, joining me on this week's show, as I mentioned earlier, we have the man more likely to wake up next to a used smoke bomb than a brightly coloured thaw. Perhaps not such a bad idea. It is our man on the ground in London, uh, John Brown. Hello, John. Hello, Paul. How are you doing? Good. Have you suitably recovered from your, your excerpts on Thursday or on Friday evening? Sorry. I, I'm getting there. I think is the best way to describe it. I presume uh, the the news pictures were of you cleaning up Leicester Square, yes? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is a wonderful job for the sofa manager. Uk PR. Um, oh, no. So we'll uh, we'll hear all about John's experiences a little bit later on. He has many stories to tell, um, particularly from the look at his Instagram story, uh, and also alongside us, it is the bad with more fake kids kits. <laughs> K-I-T-S <laughs> Fake kits than a Mediterranean market salesman It is Andrew Menzies Hello Andrew Hello oh, You've got quite the collection recently don't you? Yes, more fake But they're cheaper, easier to wear Happy days Okay, with, with, with brands and everything Heaven knows how they're getting away with them And myself, uh, the tongue twisted <laughs> Host And uh, freshly vaccinated By the way uh, so if there's ever any coughs, splutters <laughs> during the episode, that's the reason why. Uh, but anyway, shall we get straight on with things? Yes. Yep. Okay, okay. So, uh, first of all, I've got on my structured list here. What did that result mean to us? Obviously, Scotland nil, England nil at Wembley Stadium. Uh, first time we've played them there since the what, late 90s? Uh, no, 2017. Yeah. I don't recall that fixture. Oh, well. We both focus on that um, as the build-up didn't. Uh, Andrew, we'll start with you. What did that result mean to you? Uh, I think it's one of those where it wasn't as if it was a friendly leading up to it, but compared to the first game, I never had high hopes. They exceeded everything that I expected they'd be able to do because, again, I set the bar quite low after the first game. But overall, from everyone, I think it was just, it was brilliant, to be fair. Because it was full of 50-50s, it was battling here, there and everywhere. And it was just the way that you want to see them play. Okay, I like that statement. Optimism is the enemy of hope. Um, <laughs> John, you were on the ground... Um, what what did that game mean to you? Yeah, now, I don't remember a huge amount of the game itself for very simple reasons. I didn't want to remember the game before the game. So I got quite drunk. Um wasn't horrendously bad, but I, I kind of got to my stage where I watched most of the game through my fingers at the back of a bar in London with my mate Gary. And it, it was tense beyond belief. Um, for myself, it was a case of just don't get beat and you know in happy days it's, it's a success in, in everyone's book uh, thankfully we got it 
London was an absolute riot. What a party. He's missed out big time, boys. It was absolutely brilliant. If we start to finish, we were there for three o'clock in the afternoon. I think we left Leicester Square about 11 o'clock at night, maybe about half past 11. And it was still going when we left. So, a oh, brilliant, brilliant day. So you often down south are a bit of a you're quite ostracised, are you not, for for perhaps sounding quite different with your thick Scottish accent. So I was it play, blended in for once? I was about to say, like home from home for a day. Uh, what sort of antics did you witness for you in Leicester Square? Oh, with everything. I mean, so got my mate Gary up at sort of Euston Station, which is you got kind of Euston and Kings Cross, which is where most of the Scotland fans were kind of filtering through. Uh, it was actually, oh, the rain was lashing down. You thought, nah, the, the atmosphere is going to be a bit of a damp squib uh, when you're going to get to either Leicester Square or Hyde Park. We weren't sure where anyone is. So jumped in the underground, went to Leicester Square, and I'm not kidding, like, the Northern Line got to King's Cross. You could hear the Scotland fans when the doors opened. It was like, oh, this is actually all right. Get to Leicester Square. You kind of come into the kind of underground foyer area for all the barriers. And you could hear the Scotland fans up above you just bouncing about, singing away. And you just like come up the stairs and it's all the John McGinn song. It's just blaring. And you come in, you come up, see a tartan, navy blue. Everybody looks, smoke bombs going off, the whole shebang. Um, just beer flying everywhere. Um, so we got into that. We there for a couple of hours, managed to get a few tins ourselves. Um, you, know, you, just, you were there for the atmosphere. You couldn't not look anywhere else. Some guy dressed as Nicola Sturgeon, like standing up, and sort, of, <laughs> sort of taking the kind of chorus. He was the kind of the orchestrator, or whatever you want to call him, giving it loudly. Um, walked round to the kind of like there's always going to be a fountain, so uh, there's one in sort of Leicester Square with William Shakespeare on the top. Uh, inexplicably, somebody found a traffic cone that ended up on the guy's head. Nice. Uh, the guy who put it on his head fell from the top of the, the sort of statue into the wall. Shot him oh. there and that. I honestly thought he had done himself. Um, but he got up and he, he ran away and he was fine and that. And he was blind drunk, he couldn't remember. Um, but it was absolute pandemonium. There wasn't any kind of trouble. I mean, there was no fighting or nothing like that. And it's no deck chairs were harmed in the operation. Um, so it's like that's kind of one up on us in England already. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was good to go, man. It was, it was absolutely brilliant. No, for the way you describe it there, I mean, I can imagine the sun shining out of the the underground station. That, like the way you talk about the Northern Line, have you ever seen the Californian sketches on Saturday Night Live? Nah. Okay, well, yeah, I'm going to send you the link because basically they talk, they talk about all the roads that they go about in Los Angeles. Was the like, oh, we went down the 42 to get the to the to the 31, mm. um, and it reminded me of your references to all the underground lines. But no, I did see some funny clips of like folks falling into the fountain and stuff like that. It was good to see the fairy liquids. Um, a guy literally being mowed over by a motorcycle because he just couldn't walk across the road properly. Yeah, that that was violently. Like... Yeah, that 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 was not the world's greatest thing, but you know. It's nice to see it was peaceful, it was nice to see it was fun. Uh, but it was great that you were involved in it because I know that uh, you pretty much live for those footballing moments and as a Falkirk and Scotland fan, you know that those moments are few and far between. So you got to oh, make the most of them while they're there. I mean, that's comfortably and I don't think it'll ever be beaten as one of the best footballing experiences I've ever had. Like that, that will never be beaten. Uh, for that level of game, for the year and a bit everybody's had, it was just that was a release valve. And everybody just absolutely loved it. Um, I I genuinely don't know if it would have been the same, particularly after the game, if there would have been the same level of atmosphere. Um, and if we had won, I probably still would be there having an absolute ball. Um, but I, without seeing it, you would never believe it. Honestly, it was just brilliant. No, I think that was the thing. Uh, in terms of what I thought of the game was, I've been I've been a bit of a downer on football recently. Uh, you can tell by the, the hockey jerseys and stuff behind there. I've very much been preaching that I could have bored of it all and stuff like that. But sitting watching the 90 minutes of that game, it's like, oh, stuff this. This is the best thing ever. I mean, you're you're watching it as you say, kind of through your eyes. I was like tearing my hair out and stuff like that. It was that much tension. Um, and to have the whole country united, I think it was it's like the second most watched thing in the last you know 10, 15 years. Um, you know, footballing wise. Um, so to have and like. As well, I was hearing someone went outside and there was no sound. There was no cars, there was no one walking, nothing. Like everyone was just inside watching it, and quite rightly so. So I think 
the draw was the perfect result. Uh, it kind of kept everyone happy. It put England into total turmoil uh, on social media. Um, it was great to see all the clips surfacing of like Rio Ferdinand having to eat his words. That like plonker that's on the two Geordie podcast talking about like six seven nil. So it, it was nice to put all that to rest. Um, so, in terms of the actual performances, if you were to put a number out of ten, Andrew. Scotland performance out of 10. What would you rate it for that game? For that, just for that game, not comparing it to the previous one. What, what, did I say anything about the previous game? No. Uh, I'd probably give it, I'd probably give it a, a nine. A nine? Okay. A nine. Right. Right. Okay. We'll if we got a goal, we'd top off for a 10, but I think nine. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, John? Uh, I'll be closer to a seven and a half to an eight out of 10. Um, I think yeah, you're, you're, the goal would have been nice and on the cake, and there were some. I think you can kind of hide it. There was a few scary, very scary moments at the start, um, as we kind of settled into it. So, uh, an eight, seven and a half to an eight out of ten is, is probably fair. I I'm going to put it at a seven. Um, maybe down off. Joe, the thing is though, right? At the time, buzzing. I was like, lads, that was brilliant. And I, I do think that's borderline the best performance we have to offer. But... Seven out of ten. <laughs> well, but the thing is, right, watching the day after that, I watched Portugal against Germany, right? Either of those teams would have torn us to pieces. Like, it was, it was on such another level. And it's laughable that England even think they're remotely in contention. And even Portugal that lost, I was like, you know, they're scoring four, five, six against us um, with the sort of play those guys were playing. So that's part of the reason I put it on a seven. I still think it was brilliant. I still think it's one of the best performances we could have had, despite that coming away with, with no goals. So, and I think you alluded to earlier, John, like, so for example, see that John Stone's header in the first half? If that goes in, we lose. There's no other way about it. If um, Luke Shaw has any idea, do you know, about football and what to do with it when you're remotely close to goal, you know, we lose that game. Um, so it, it was fine margins, but they, they did excellently. Um, so yeah, seven, seven out of ten. <laughs> I'll probably get slotted for that because I know everyone's, I know everyone's hyped on it. But it was still a draw in a game that, and I loved actually the interviews at the end. Andy Robertson was like, "Oh, should have won it, should have won it." And I'm like, "Yes, freaking love that guy's mentality." And like, just as a captain, he's so focused, he's so driven. I was just like, "Yeah, that's brilliant." Um, England out of ten, their performance, Andrew. Two, three, three, probably a three, three. John, your your recommendation? Uh, I probably about a three. Uh, they were really, really poor. I mean, we could dive into that as much as we could dive into the Scotland performance. Um, yeah. As much as we done well, they were atrocious. Like I, they, uh, yeah, we'll probably get into it a little bit more. But we'll get, get into it now. <laughs> well, <laughs> sort of, the the question I would ask is, if you are looking at England, would you? A portion of blame at the players that were on the park, or would you portion the blame to the manager and the system that he deployed in that game? And for me, it's the manager. I mean, that is abysmal. I I think you have to do a bit of both. I mean, I know a lot of the chatter has been there's been a lot of confusion about the Foden substitution, uh, which I agreed because he did look pretty threatening. Um, Sterling just wasn't played properly. The guy's got so much pace that see if you stretched our defence. Our defence did not have pace. Um, and I know people were absolutely applauding, you know, Grant Hanley. I thought McTominay was brilliant. Um, but aye, if you stretched these guys with a bit of pace, it would have been easy. But just the desire. See, in the last five, ten minutes, it was not there from them at all to go and do anything. They just did they look bothered. They were slow. Everything, every single time you saw them get the ball, they were taking three, four touches and looking up, looking up, looking down, looking up. But if they tried to hit us in the counter, we're not going to get organised in 30 seconds. They were giving us like a minute to, for everyone to talk, everyone to get in the line, and then, then they tried to come at us, which it didn't work, obviously. I mean, for me, I, I get the feeling that you certainly look at their game and they, they started on fire. Yeah, I thought they were going to blow us away. And then we started getting a few kind of challenges. You know, we were taking on the kind of the burden of the game. I don't think they expected that, to be honest. I, I think they started to believe their own hype. They became a little bit kind of arrogant going into the game. 
and they, they never expected it. it was a bit of a shock to them and that's fair enough I mean as a player you should be able to kind of get yourself going again for for their level I mean they should never sort of not expect that I mean they play against these guys week in week out it was kind of like watching a Premier League game in a lot of respects there was a lot of kind of that it was hard and fast and challenges rather than a tactical game um, which I found really kind of weird I think it's that kind of game suits a Scotland team rather than playing against the Czech Republic where tactically we were kind of done um, which was really kind of weird I, I think we were a bit unlucky against Czech Republic because I thought we started that game really well, lost a super stupid goal at the end of first half, which just ruined everything. And we won't even talk about the David Marshall goal because I, I've been saying to Andrew this week, like it, it felt like in hockey when you're losing towards the end, you pull the goalkeeper to get an extra ban, you know, on the ice. And it kind of felt like that. Like, you know, we weren't, we, oh, we could have scored. That's the thing. If Jack Henry shot, it just got, anyway, we won't, we won't dwell the past. No, we'll dwell on that one, but. Um, uh, the, the, the kind of game mechanic kind of started spotting a little bit more as the game progressed and like I say England looked a little bit kind of shocked and didn't really know what to do with it I blame Southgate entirely for that if I was an England fan I don't think he his substitutions were mental like you know like you say taking off Foden didn't make sense he sat Majid and Sancho on the bench who I would be very scared seeing him up against either one of our full backs or wing backs um, Harry Kane did not look fit, he didn't look interested so you know, you got kind of question why he was in the park for as long as he was and it didn't really seem to get Rashford into the game either um, which I found kind of strange so there, there's a lot of kind of things that they could have done that maybe could have had them win the game, amazingly for us it never happened because he's so fucking stupid and you know Stevie Clark walked all over him in the grand scheme of things he had the, the kind of, he, he won the tactical battle if you want to kind of take on to that point Stevie Clark absolutely walked it well, that's the thing, like Stevie Clark is known, I think, for playing quite compact football, isn't he? I think, Andrew, right. you were saying that's yep. what he did. Uh, well, and that was evident there, and I think Scotland uh, were in control for most of that game. Um, you know, I, I think from from my perspective, in terms of our tactics, I don't like Dykes and Adams up front together. I feel like it's two target men that both offer the same thing. Um, and if you're going to do that, you need someone to kind of run off one of them to be that threat in behind. So I actually didn't mind the selection of Christie in the first game, uh, but I would like to see for this next one someone like, you know, Fraser, Forrest, Christie, just to offer something a wee bit different. Um, because I see especially Dykes wasn't winning anything in the air. He wasn't holding the ball up well enough at all. Um, I don't know about that. I mean, he had a few reasonable sort of positions. Um, Shea Adams, I think, was maybe the one that kind of looked a slightly off it. Um, he made some good runs, he had a few quite good challenges and chances as well. But I, they were just unlucky. I think that was the thing. Um, if we if we wanted to push a little bit more, I think we probably could have. But I don't know. I, I like. I think you're I have right. No problem with the two of them playing, to be honest. I think the two of them, if if they're playing against a I was going to say a weaker nation, which is not the right thing to kind of say for a Scotland team. But I think under different kind of mechanics, I think they would actually work really well together. Because you can see, she Adams can actually read where Lyndon Dykes is going to try and knock it down to. Oh, I, I would disagree. I thought they had no chemistry at all. No, I, don't I don't think they don't work. They don't work well together. They maybe not played, but like if you compare it to him and Armstrong, when Armstrong was playing on his side, you could see he was making the runs or playing it off to each other. They knew where they were going. But Dykes and Adams, it was just disconnected the full game. Um, I, I do agree, though, with Adams. I thought, especially at the start, his head just wasn't quite in the right place. Like, a few scuffed shots, not really the power. And he... See if he could have channeled Stephen O'Donnell for that far post volley. Not waited to bounce it and just, like, caressed it forward. That could have been a lot better as well. Um and that that's going to be our biggest problem going forward because we haven't scored a goal at this tournament and you know we do not make that many good quality chances it's just not been in our game uh, but it was good to see Nesbitt get a run out you know towards the end hopefully he might be a bit more clinical than the other two um, I also thought we were I thought I suppose we were quite conservative for good reasons but it would have been a good to see Robertson and Tierney overlapping a bit more because that's where our best chances came if one of them was cutting in or crossing from either side. These are nitpicks because, again, I think he broadly got it right. I mean, it was a must-not-lose game. I mean, I 
yeah. I've no problem with that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, we, it's easy for us now to kind of sit and go, ah, because I pushed. You know, there's every chance if we had pushed, it would opened up all the space at the back for Sterling to do his thing, for Foden to look a better player. Harry came in and had more time. So it's, it's a, that's a really big trade-off. And I think in the grand scheme of things, Stevie Clark did the right thing having the tactics he had. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, so uh, at the end of the game, my first thing that I wanted to do was switch to from STV, uh, where we had, was it Raman? Who's like the the STV news guy or something like that? The uh, Raman Barwaj, I think yeah. his name is. Uh, player performance there, negative four. Um, anyway. <laughs> to be fair, uh, like, you say negative four, did you see Sky Sports? He's, uh, they basically broke down every player and they gave him a rating. Yep. They gave Billy Gilmore a four. Ah, okay. We'll get to that when we talk about player ratings. I don't entirely, <laughs> I don't entirely disagree with that. Um, but, we'll yeah. that. <laughs> we we switch over to the we switch over to the English coverage and instead of Raman, who before the game said sit back and relax, and I was like, what? Who on planet Earth is sitting back and relaxing? It was just the wrong thing to say, which wound me up. Um, David Moyes, who was just happy to be there, and John Collins. I mean, ever ever smooth can't go wrong with John Collins. But compared to was it Roy Keane, Sunas? Roy Keane, Sunez, Ian Wright, I think it was. Right. And then and who did who did the English I, have on comms? Uh, and Clive Tilsley. Clive Tilsley. And there was an English commentator as well. Uh, who was, was it Martin Key? No, Martin Key was on the BBC coverage. BBC. I was so... Wait, I can't even remember. Well, was it no McCoyston? I never heard much of the coverage. It was, yeah. it was certainly uh, Tilsley, Clive and there was a... There was an English kind of balance to it, so there was a Scottish co-com and an English co-com, and then every now and again they kind of cut to Gary Neville and Scott Brown pitch side, which yes. is just hilarious. I've seen Scott Brown smiling away, like next oh. to Gary Neville, and it's just a, such a Scott Brown thing to do. Again, not that the STV, STV guys did a bad job, but I think we had Rory, Rory Hamilton. Die, the, the BT Sport guy. He's really good. No problems with Rory Hamilton. And was it Kevin Kevin Gallagher? And I was like to my dad, who's that? And he was like, yeah, he played for Scotland. And I was like, okay, could have done without that. So I would have, just saying, would have taken the national broadcast or if they'd flung some of those guys into the national broadcast instead, that would make a lot of sense. To be fair, ITV, I mean, the, the lineup they did have had a reasonable balance. I mean, usually they are the most biased of them all, uh, with Clive Tilsley in particular. But I actually think they did an okay job from what I can remember. Which is very little. Do you, do you uh, recall Graham Sunnis's teeth, John? Nah, honestly, I can't remember much. I can only remember vaguely Ian Wright having a right good moan about Jaden Sancho not playing. Can I just say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful. A right good moan is a good name for Ian's right future or Ian Wright's future podcast. Should he decide to do one? Ian Wright's good moan. <laughs> there you go. Um, I know it was. It was good to see that. I was spot on though. Um, and there's obviously been back and forth on like Twitter and things in the past few days that we're celebrating a draw and things like that. But uh, yeah, for us it's a good result fundamentally. So indeed, indeed. Uh, so let's go over player ratings. Shall we start with Billy Gilmore? Does that seem like a place to start? Aye. Not a four. Not a four. Maybe not a four. Maybe not a four. Okay, so would you agree with Billy Gilmore being voted man of the match? Actually, actually, no. I'll rephrase that question. John, who was who was your man of the match from the highlights you've now watched retrospectively? Uh, good question. <laughs> um, that, John McGinn, to be honest, I think I know Steve Lundell had a really, really good game, but I think John McGinn covered every blade of grass. He, there was just something about him in that game that was a standout. Um, he never done anything that was a standout. He, he was just there. He was a presence. He absolutely dominated that midfield. He did give Billy Gilmore the space to make him look like the kind of player we all can hope he will be, um, which I don't think he's too far away from being. Um, he was probably give, Billy Gilmore was probably given man of the match because it was effectively his competitive debut and he, he, he had a really, really good game. I don't think you can kind of disagree with that. Um, and uh, you know, fair play to the guy. Like he's he's done everything we hoped he would do. Okay, uh, Andrew, who was your? I, I know you mentioned John McGinn there. Like it was good to see him uh, getting stuck in and things like that. The, the early booking for where did he get the early booking again? Calvin Phillips. He was just winding him up. So he was just putting but the fear in him, wasn't he? Aye. 
Aye, but to be fair, right at the start, like, because he was probably, Calvin Phillips was probably a standout player in the, in the first game mm-hmm. for them. And it was just kind of like, right, fair enough, John McGinn. But to be fair, he did get a yellow card for mouth and off. So it was a bit daft, but at the same time, you just kind of like, but he was doing the right things. Yeah, John John McGinn knows how to play the psychological games for the sound of things. Yeah. Um, Stephen O'Donnell, helping hand. What was that? When he said, "What was it?" Don't he said, "Stephen O'Donnell, make sure you make sure you're very complimentary. Don't wind them up, but just be complimentary and say, have nice hair, nice, nice two, calves, to two. Grealish." Quite right. Grealish. <laughs> what, what a I mean, McKay, this that worked. Oh, and he's, he's when he kicked him. Oh, sensational, <laughs> sensational. <laughs> uh, so, who would your man of the match be, Andrew? Oh, I'm, I'm going to say Grant Hanley. Okay, a few people because I thought that. he was he was good in the air. He did absolutely nothing wrong. He's impressed me so far. So I'm I'm sticking with Grant Hanley. Yeah, uh, for me, and I think a lot of people disagreed with this, but I thought Scott McTominay, especially in the second half, was excellent and without him he was literally a brick wall for that last minute scramble in front of the goal mouth uh, yep. there's some really funny memes of uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, have you seen that? No, Terry Jeffers Terry Cruz and he's <laughs> got like the three guys like Lasoda I was just like yeah, that's spot on uh, I do think he was part of the questionable positioning for the Stones header the first part but aye at centre back I thought he was brilliant and just showing up any problems um, yeah, my, my critiques with Gilmore, <laughs> which seems to be the, the biggest controversy here, is that I, I think this was highlighted most in the BBC highlights after the game. They talked about, you know, and again, brilliant debut. Do I think he made many mistakes? No, not at all. So I think you can draw a line under it there and say, you've done really well. You know, do I think he's the best thing since sliced bread? I think we need to hold off judgment on that because... Overhyping someone does nobody any good. Like, you know, who as a footballer has been overhyped in the past and actually delivered? Very, well, very few. We're all playing in white. Well, yes, <laughs> I know. And I, I, I would hesitate to say, you know, his Chelsea career is going well, but I still think that's fairly in the balance. So, in terms of what I saw, they talked about, you know, he was good at moving the ball forward and things like that. I think he did a lot of the simple things well. There was a lot of good short passes. He was kind of orchestrating a lot of triangular moves and things like that. Nothing too fancy, nothing too complex. It's all fairly basic football. Okay. Do I think that he was beaten about by Mason Mount and that Mason Mount probably won that battle? Yes, I do. Because um, there is a good clip of him running back, chasing Mason Mount and like, you know, badgering him and things like that. Did he win the ball from that? No, he still didn't get the ball. So I do think he was outdone in the midfield by him. Also, but I you think can he say he was outdone, but he's every single time he'd nip at his heels, and like yes. even if he wasn't catching them, he was putting them away from the goal. Yes, but the, on the contrary to that, he fouled Harry Kane by not kicking him hard enough. Frankly, like it was an intentional foul, and he didn't even land him down. I was like, come on, yeah, Billy, put the foot through. Don't Harry Kane up. He was playing bad enough, so he was just being nice. No point in trying to fire him up. No, but that is my critique of Billy Gilmore. Let's temper our expectations a wee bit. A great debut. Didn't make many mistakes. He was not the best player in that park. Just saying. No, but I think in terms of you need to take into account what age he is, and it is Scotland versus England. I showed more maturity than I've got on twenty-seven. Okay, we're not having, we're not having you in the centre of the park anytime soon, John. <laughs> um, so, I can other interesting performances. Uh, I think Tierney. Did not look like he was injured in any way, shape, or form. No, uh, that was back to standard performances. You mentioned Phil O'Donnell earlier. Um, I mean, Phil, uh, no, Stephen O'Donnell. Sorry, um, who you have to give massive props to to come back from. Now, I don't know whether he didn't look on social media all the slating he was getting, or whether he's just showed the metal to turn up and go right. This is what I can do. Um, yeah, I. I couldn't. I can't be critical of Stephen O'Donnell at all. I thought his the chance he took was probably the the best composure anyone had shown in that whole game, and he was very unlucky not to score that. It was a great save from the Pickford save. I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I think we built it. 
Uh, so deeply unlucky to score. And yeah, we're all back on side <laughs> for him now. After being, <laughs> why? Why are you there? Oh, it's, it's really awkward now, though. Um, when we do eventually go talking about the Croatia game, that I actually think we might need somebody like James Forrest to play his right wing back. Which is like, you just can't drop him now, which is not great. Well, because I watched that tennis episode the other day with Pat Nevin. I freaking love Pat Nevin, by the way. He's just the most knowledgeable person about football. And he talked about that string theory, like when, you know, Robertson goes forward, you need that person to defend back. And that guy was O'Donnell. And, uh, but I, I, that frustrates me a bit, because again, to your point, that makes us quite lopsided going forward in that we really only have one threat, <laughs> which is yeah. Robertson, essentially. I mean, the biggest difference we're now going to have, though, I'm going off, I'm dragging us off topic, but we're now going to have Tierney and Robertson rather than just Robertson, what it was in the Czech Republic game. So I do think the Czech Republic game lacked Kieran Tierney for our attacking threat a little bit. So if you're, again, if you're following Pat Nevin's string theory, um, having Tierney as part of that now, I think, might make it a little bit more worthwhile. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that's the kind of path we follow down. It'll be interesting to see, but that, you make a good point in that we're going to need to score goals against Croatia. You know, this yeah, like, a, a one, like, yeah, one nil victory is probably not going to be enough. Nah, it's, it's just not enough. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would put us on. So Switzerland currently, Wales have gone through. So congratulations to them. They currently continue to make Scotland look like a total embarrassment of a sporting nation. Um, or tennis, mate. <laughs> well. Did you say tennis or terrorists? Tennis. All right. Oh, no, okay. Very good. Ah, you watch the next Welshman will come and win Wimbledon next. You know you said that. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Switzerland third in their group are on four points and goal difference a negative one. I think negative one, yes, negative two. Negative one. Yep. So we currently sit on negative two. So yeah, you're going to have to win by at least two clear goals, which against Croatia is not uh, an easy ask. Who? who drew against the Czech Republic at Hamden, you know, same circumstances, they're familiar with the stadium. Um, and it was a shambles that they... Do you, have you seen the Czech Republic-Croatia uh, game either, are you? Nope. Yeah. Shambles of a VAR decision. Yeah. Um, Lover, I think it's Lovren. Lovren's got up. With his elbows like that, but nothing unusual. He elbowed um, Shrek. Yep. In the face... Uh, penalty card, most shocking decision they should have won that game So, and they are going to be freaking going for it as well, like we are so, you know this is a point that we're going to have to that he is going to have to change his game plan and go for goals and that is when we could really be undone yeah well or nothing though <laughs> well, but, or do you stay patient and just try and make your chances and I, th- I think he'll definitely stay patient because if you look at the way that he's had, like even if you just compare it to the time at Kelly, he would never really go for a game. He'd take the draws, but I know you were desperate and he'll probably throw the kitchen sink at it for the last 20, but I don't see for like any more than like 20 minutes for him throwing everything at that game because for 70 minutes he'll try and keep them as composed as he can. We'll see. Um, so in terms of our starting lineup for that next game... Hands up if you're yeah, keeping. Okay, so you're you're keeping. Mm, hands up if you're keeping it the same. Oh, I, I don't know. What are you changing, John? You taking? Yeah, uh, Mc- I, I I do think he's going to change the front line. To be honest, I don't know if he'll play Dykes in the game. I think Jay Adams will start. I would be surprised at all if it's Stuart Armstrong or Ryan Christie who'll be in support. Uh, I don't think it'll be Ryan. Uh, Fraser and I don't think it'll be James Forrest we'll Billy Gilmore be starting that. I think the midfield will stay the same although it's now effectively going into three games and it's you know that's that's a lot of kind of uh, energy the back five will stay the same I can't see him changing that at all now that Tierney's back McTominay he had a shaky start to the England game but he came on to it he, he settled back in and you can't drop Davy Marshall, so it's there's maybe one change in there. I think Dykes for Armstrong. Would you, at the start of the tournament, committed to Marshall over Craig Gordon? I yeah, I would have yes. to be honest. Yeah. I mean, there's one man that settles all of this, and it's Al McGregor, but he's obviously no option. So. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, it sounds good. I would again change that front line a wee bit, um, and beyond that. 
big tech. I know it sounds like I've been incredibly critical, but I am actually very pleased and very excited um, about it. Which is why, in my excitement on Friday night, which it might sound like I was being incredibly pessimistic, watch my wording there, um, but in fact, incredibly excited. I got straight on the, the JD Sports website because it's African uh, cartel and there's only one place that you can uh, get one of these proper shirts. So, it's time for the quiz. Right, okay. This week's quiz is going to be a yes or no quiz. Okay, so I'm going to move my keyboard out of the way. I'm going to get my notepad down. So, John and Andrew, you have to guess uh, what name I got on the shirt, what number I got on the shirt. You also have to guess whether it was the home or away Scotland shirt which I purchased. Okay, now, every answer you receive a yes to will gain you a point okay so these are yes no questions they could be to narrow it down um or they could be guesses every time you get an answer no you lose a point irrespective of it helps you get closer to the genre every time i say no you lose a point if you guess correctly the number the name or the shirt you get five points okay not over and above the one point that the one point doesn't exist for the yes answer, it's five points, okay? If you guess incorrectly the name, the number, or the type of shirt, you lose five points. Okay? I will see where this goes. <laughs> this is an incredibly complex numbering scheme that I... Uh, numbering yeah, scheme. Just to guess the name on the back of your shirt, like... Well, I th this is the most ex entertaining way I could thought I could expand the quiz out. So... Uh, John, you've won most of the quizzes, so I'll uh, let you start here. What is your first question? Uh, was it the away top? Yes. You get five points right away. Five. Andrew, next question is yours. Uh, is the number and the name the same as the player, or have you changed the number? Oh, wait, no. That's not a question at all. I don't understand. Yes. What do you mean? Say is, again. Is like so you're saying we need to guess the number and the name. Yes. Is the number and the name matching what the player has on the pitch? Just one player. Yes. Okay. One point. Just, just squad player. Okay. <laughs> John. Well, I was going to say the number four, Charlie Mulgrew, but that's obviously not going to be correct. Oh, uh, and exciting news! He's coming back to Scotland. So I'll be going to every Dundee United away game next year, standing as close as I can to him and hurling abuse for full 90 minutes. Right, so... I am going to say it is... I'm actually going to say it's the number four Scott McTominay. I'm going to deduct you 10 points there, John. Oh, mate. Uh, because you incorrectly guessed the name and the number. So you're now in minus oh, well, five. Andrew leads on one. If only the Euros point scheme was more like this. <laughs> right, Andrew, back to you. Oh, right. Have they... Oh, I think... I, oh, I'm not going to guess. Have they ever played for Aberdeen? Yes. One mark. Can I take a guess? No, it's back, to, it's back to John now. Oh, right. I can't think of what <sighs> current player is on that team that's played for Aberdeen. <sighs> Who? Who would have been mad enough to play for Aberdeen? Just ask your question. Eh, uh, I don't know. John, come on. Time, time. Crapper, get time, off the pot. Time, time. Nah, I'm crapping. Right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Uh, John, you lose a point for negligence. You're now on minus six. Uh, Andrew, back to you. Oh, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess the name. Go for the name oh, first. I'm now starting to doubt myself. I've got it. I'm not gonna it's, win it. Um, I'll end up with negative one. But Fraser, uh, did you get Ryan Fraser on the back? No, minus five. <laughs> <laughs> I know who it is. <laughs> I still don't know who it is because I was gonna say Ryan Fraser. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> John, <laughs> come on, we're, we're, getting, we're getting there, we're getting there. I legit have no idea. Oh, eh, uh, Christy 20. No, <laughs> that's <laughs> minus 10 again. <laughs> you're on like minus uh, 10, minus 11, John. Andrew, you're on, minus, minus, you're on, minus, you're on minus 3, yeah. But this is the problem. I think you've answered a question wrong. No. Have you not? No. So it's not uh, Fraser, it's not Christie. It's not Fraser, it's, it's not, not Christie. Christ, player, player that played with Aberdeen. Okay. Play, okay. Now. In the current squad. I, do, I don't know. Someone will have to answer, ask that question. It's my question, but. Right. So you said they played with Aberdeen? Yes. Right, okay. That's right. Because I can't technically guess that name because they've not played for Aberdeen. So. Oh. All right, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm just going to guess. Is it Gallica? No. Minus five. John? Three points to Five points to John. You said in the, in the Scotland team. Correct. No. He's, he's on no. the wind-up. I said, you said, have they been in the squad? Yes, they've been in the squad. Well, not in the squad for the Euros, but they've been in the squad. <laughs> right. Is it, Matt, is it, I'm back to you for the it, number, Andrew. Number three. No. Nope. Oh, <laughs> minus five. No. <laughs> minus five. Right, I'm going to give you one more guess at the number. It is the number he wore for Scotland. Minus Andrew, you get five points for... Uh, <laughs> yes! That's probably not enough, though. Right, Andrew. One, two. So you lost 15, gained seven. Uh, for a total of, uh, what, eight points? I knew the numbering scheme would be a problem. John, you lost 10, 25, 26. You gained 5 and 10. So you're on minus 16 16. points. Andrew, you have won the quiz. Well done, Andrew. A rendition of Yes Sir, I Can Boogie is what now uh, John has to do as a forfeit. Because of Andrew Constantine's with the full apparel, I'll post a video later. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'm going to hold you to that <laughs> definitely. Uh, yeah, Andrew Constantine, the man uh, responsible for Yes Sir I Can Boogie, partially responsible for getting us to the tournament. Number twenty-three, I thought was pretty cool as a number. Uh, Billy Gilmore was also the player at the tournament to wear it. Uh, but yeah, he's probably never going to play for Scotland again. It's a stronger Aberdeen connection than someone like Scott McKenna, Ryan Christie, Ryan Fraser. So... Oh, I forgot about McKenna. <laughs> I think McKenna oh, is yeah. in the squad. Is he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So sorry I was a bit sly and underhand with, you know, being in the squad. He has been in the squad. He's just not in the current squad. There we go. So, um, elsewhere in the tournament, that was good fun, by the way. I thoroughly enjoyed that. <laughs> Um, oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Elsewhere in the tournament, uh, what have we seen? What have we been watching, John? What have you? What else have you seen from the tournament so far? I think I've seen near enough. I think I've seen. I've seen every team for sure. Who's I've your two, two or three games? Who's your pick for the the strongest? I think this is fairly obvious at the moment. But well, it's the thing is, that I, I would say Italy. Italy is like looks like the, the strongest team. However, they have not played a a good team yet. Um. But Wales, mate, what are you talking about? They did okay against Wales this afternoon, but not brilliant by any stretch. I mean, it was a a much changed squad as well, our team lineup. They blew Turkey apart, although as it transpires, Turkey weren't as good as everyone expected them to be. Yeah. And the same with Switzerland, again, I think there was the greater expectation uh, going into the ties. So Italy at the moment for me, slight favourites. Uh, I think they've got an easier sort of pathway as well. Uh, I don't think they cross a, a really big team till really later on. I would have said France if they hadn't looked quite so kind of starstruck against Hungary, <laughs> which was just bizarre. Um, so they, the, you would expect France to get better. I expect Italy to kind of carry on as they are and the two of them to kind of maybe meet in the final. I don't know what the full pathway looks like, but that that could be possible. Wait and see. Uh, Andrew, any picks that stand out for you? 
Oh, I was I was going to go for Portugal up until I saw their left and right back causing serious mm. issues defensively. Because yeah, Germany found that hole very quickly and they just exploited it to no end. So I'm not going to say Portugal. Hungary have been a shock for me how well they've actually played. But I'm probably still going to stick with France at the end of the day because even if they did look a bit sluggish, but the thing is they've had a wake-up call. Italy haven't had a wake-up call yet. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. So... I must say, like, France are definitely going to be the team scoring the most offside goals. Like, Mbappe and all that are just, they're always on that very last inch and that last millimetre. Yeah. I, d- I did think um, that they do lack a bit of that killer instinct finishing um, in terms of Griezmann missed loads of glorious chances against Hungary that he should have buried. Um, and again, a lot of the offside goals, you know, I don't rate Benzema. I think Giroud would is a legend of football and massively underrated and I'd like to see him the team yeah. a bit more again after I watched Germany against Portugal they were just so clinical but then we didn't really see that when they were playing France so you know it's all up in the air the the Hungary game was cool because of the celebration um, and them just absolutely smashing down on that media table and that woman was like I think she was a Spanish media woman or something um, she looked petrified she was like <laughs> What's going on here? Um, yeah, absolutely wasn't watching the match. It was very much what I used to do when I was at an Ivy Ticket Falcon. But um, yeah, I thought the Hungary goalie, the, the Leipzig goalie, was incredible against France. Absolutely fantastic goalkeeper he is. So that's a that's a steal. Um, yeah, so watching big teams. Thanks. Have you seen much of Spain? Spain were very disappointing in their two games. Like, Marata is just. Where's he, he even is... play? Oh, he's in America these days or Canada? Ah, uh, he's in Spain. But I can't remember who for. Marata. He was at. He was at Atletico. He was at Juventus. Did he go back to Juventus? No, I thought he was in the states. Oh, he Marata, could be... no chance. Who Are you thinking of Higuain? Yeah. In Spain being poor, I watched I watched both our games against Sweden and um, Poland as well. Both times, it's this is a really stretched comparison, so I do apologise. But this is like watching Falkirk under John Hughes at the end of the his sort of time, uh, squaring back passes everywhere, nothing going forward, and I mean nothing. This is like it's almost the kind of we'll play pure football, but we'll not actually do anything with it. It's horrific watching, and I hate it, and I get scary flashbacks every time to watching <laughs> Burton O'Brien and it's instead it's like I don't know who's in the midfield for, for Spain it's absolutely dreadful <laughs> hate every moment of it I, uh, I think we've got the, the title for this episode <laughs> that. honestly man, too when you watch it it's like you just see it it's, it's slightly quicker but it's the same garbage in front of you it's We'll pass it to the defensive midfielder. Now we'll just pass it back to the centre back. Then we'll maybe play it out to the left back or the right back. But then I'll just come back to the defensive midfielder again. They don't go anywhere. <laughs> Fucking awful, awful viewing. Like, nah, I'll be so glad to see the back. Telling, so what you're telling us is Luis Enrique and Luis, John Luis Enrique went Luis for Enrique a coffee and he's got the wrong tactics now. Enrique's beat the, the Yogi Hughes school of uh, passing the ball, and it's not very good. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine them having a conversation. If you would like, <laughs> if you'd like to read the extended article on uh, John Brown's tactical thoughts as to why <laughs> Spain are like Falkirk under uh, Yogi Hughes and how Burton O'Brien compares to Piquet, uh, or Piquet, whoever it was, Piquet. I don't even know who was in that midfield. That's the biggest problem with Spain just now. As well, was they don't have the same level of superstar anymore that you can properly kind of relate to in that team. It's it's yeah. quite disappointing to kind of see that they. They always had their golden generation, but they never followed up with anything. Um, I think you can compare that to maybe what kind of Germany's doing. But Germany have a few quite good kind of young talented guys coming through. I don't necessarily see that coming from Spain at the moment. I barely knew any of the guys in their team watching that Poland game the other night. I was like, I've just I've never heard of you. And I know yeah, I've not been uh, keeping up with football as much, but they're, they're just not, as you say, on the big international. But you know, group of young guys, you know, growing up out of the spotlight, that could be good for them in years to come. Yeah. Maybe when they're not, not Villarreal. Yeah, no, not now. Hey, Villarreal won the Europa League. You know, beat Man United and all that jazz. So, um, yeah, happy days. It is getting exciting towards the sharp end. We'll see how things uh, fan out. Um, 
as you say, Turkey kind of be duds this tournament, so we shall see. Anyway, shall we get to some of our tier rankings for some of the Euro home kits? Let's do it. Let's do it. So what I'm going to do is I was going to use like the tier list thing that you could like you can go and make your own templates, but that required a login, and I was like, I'm just not getting my information. So we're going to wing it, and I'm going to try some screen sharing. Um, and these guys are going to select a nation for me. Uh, it could be a kit that they think is cool. It could be a kit that they think sucks. And we will argue it out as to whether it goes into top tier. You'd absolutely be paying 65 quid for this. You would put the uh, Euro 2020 patches on. Yeah, you know, who'd be dumb enough to do that, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I did, I did that too. <laughs> um, you know, then you've got act. I'll wait until it goes on sale. I'd be happy if someone gave me it, or if this was in a mystery box, I'd literally chuck it out, or stick with your away kit. So we'll we'll stick with those different tiers in terms of yeah, banging, uh, pay the sixty five quid, uh, buy it on sale, take it if it's a surprise Thank mystery you. box, or yeah, where they away kit, bin it. So John, since you're such a loser, <laughs> uh, do you want to pick a nation's home kit for me? And uh, we'll go through and discuss it, and you'll tell us uh, where you're going to put it. I think we'll get the obvious one out of the road, and it's got to be the, the early top for this year. Ah. God tier. I'd pay easily, I'd pay the money for it. Okay. Absolutely beautiful. So, th- if I share my screen, we should hopefully see the Italy kit. Yay! We should hopefully see it in front of us just now. Ah, yeah. That's beautiful, mate. Top bins, like, you know, that that pattern, the colour of it. <laughs> that's true. It's always glorious with the Gold Puma logo and the, the badge. Collar? What do we think of collars? I quite like that collar, yeah, actually. Like, a nice. classic. So, I, like, I don't mind. I was, I, I, like, collars always bug me because it, it makes it difficult to wear under something that's like a hoodie or like a cardigan, like a zip top. Like, I just feel that collar things have to be worn as, like, T-shirts. But maybe that's just my, like, phobia of it. Uh, so you're sticking this top bins then, John? Oh, 100%. That's, that's the best kit of the tournament. Andrew, where are you sticking it? Top bins. Yeah, I agree. With those four stars, nice to see as well. So it goes in. Paying the £65 for it. Is anyone actually paying the £65 for it, though? No. No, not at the moment. I'll get a fake one. Yeah, there you go, Andrew. There you go. Uh, right, Andrew, do you want to select a kit for us now? Wait, is this meant to be like one that I would actually put right up the top, or can it be anywhere? Be anywhere. Oh, anywhere, anywhere. Austria bugs me. Right. I, yeah, I've got, I've got one to share with this. Like. Right, hold on, hold on, bear with. Let's share screen this time. Share. Hey, there's the top half of the Austria kit. Hopefully, the, right. the video is seen this now. I think it was a. Have you got a wee one? No. That, well, we're talking about home kits today. Hold oh, on. it's a home. Right. Oh, is this the, the dark blue and green one? It's like the black one, but they've got like it's this, there's like every single team they play is there, and there's a tiny Austria badge, mm. and it okay. just like if you look at that, it will take you probably about a minute to work out which nation it is. It doesn't look it very small. Obvious. Uh, all right, hold on. Stop sharing screen. I mean, this is smooth. Um. Right, I've got it up on my screen just now. If we share that again. Boom. So this is the kit you're talking about? No, I must have changed it. Yeah, that's that's last year. <laughs> oh, wait. Is this with the... Oh, wait, it's that. When we get to Switzerland... It's the same template. Okay, okay. This is the new... Forgive me for going to the JD website. Can you still see this? Yes. Nope. I can't, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, no, no notifications. Aye. Okay, so it says Osterreich on the top instead of the logo? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, it doesn't look good. But I, I, know, I know exactly. I just don't like it. I really don't. It's... I think in terms of like a nation, it has to be obvious straight away. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. That is just it's, it looks like it's trying too hard to be sort of like trendy. 
Yeah, those uh, those pure ones suck. <laughs> like you go from like the Italy one to that one, like the difference is just Italy classic. They've done it really, really well. But the Italy, Italy away one is the same top. as this. The Italy away top is that template, but I don't care is about it? that because they've spent all the effort on the home top. Yeah, Austria have put no effort into either. But e- even if they put like the Puma badge in the normal place and then the actual Austria flag there, I then do. it would look a lot nicer. But it doesn't need to be this daft. Austria could have done what Denmark have done for their both home and away kit is kind of like the either the red on red or black on black. Yeah. So you have like the black on black uh, Austria badge with the kind of silhouette as well throughout the top. It would look a lot better. So yeah. Puma, give me a call. We'll get this sorted. There's a lot of Puma <laughs> in this tournament, to be fair. Uh, so where are you sticking that one, Andrew? I wouldn't buy it. No, just just buy and a bin oh. somewhere. I would buy the home top if it was on sale. I th- I think the home top. I actually don't hate that one. Like if someone gave it to me as a surprise, I'd be like, yeah, cool, because I, I like the dark logos and things like that. Again, I and the fact that it says Ostrike on it, like, is a bit different. Uh, but if I got a mystery box, I'd be disappointed. Is the tier I'd put in? So not the bottom tier, but like saying to bottom tier. Right? Shall I go with my yeah, kit I now? Uh, I don't know if you'll have seen this one before. Um, are you familiar with that one? Uh, yeah. Who's that? Uh, well, I tell you, it's John again. But who's on the left, John? Yeah, that's Aaron Cuthbert. Oh, well done. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Caught me out there with your wonderful footballing knowledge. Now, as you know from earlier, I bought the away kit. Anything that's of that lighter blue shade, I absolutely love. I think it's sick. This, I don't hate. And actually, as someone who like edits a lot of sound and audacity and stuff, I kind of like the sound waves. Um, do I think it's the best Scotland home kit of recent history? No, I don't. I think that, that the white-sleeved one with the sort of tartan, Really nice, spot yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking back earlier today of some of the like the Diadora ones with like you know that white unbalanced one. It's oh, just the, classic. The white yeah. with the powder blue sole tire is. Okay. If somebody has that extra large and they're willing to sell it, like, give me a shout. <laughs> I am looking for it desperately. Good luck uh, with that one. I think even if you go back to, I really like the late nineties ones that had the hint of purple tartan in them as well. It would be cool to see them go back to that at some point. I think it was the last kit we wore at the Euros as well, so that would have been cool to see. Um, for me, I think I would buy this if it were on sale. I wouldn't like rush out and put this like absolute top tier. It's like just yeah. a little bit below. I don't hate it, but eh, just eh. What do we think? If it, if somebody gave me it as a gift, I certainly wouldn't complain. Um, the, the top just looks like the same top I wore on Friday night uh, after it was lashing down with rain. It's just kind of weird watermarks kind of running around the side of it. I, I don't know. It's strange. I, I don't know what to feel about it. Like It's a Scotland top, so I must like it, but I'm not going to pay for it. So the thing is, it's going to be one of the most purchased ones like across the board. They'll be flying um, off the shelves right now. What makes up for it is the away kit, which is just stunning. It's sick. I will send pictures to the sofa manager Instagram account when stroke if it arrives. Um, statistically, I'd like to know how many people have got Considine on the back of there. So if you do, leave a comment in the section. Or if you did get a name and number on the back, let us know. Andrew, if you were getting a name and number, what would you go for? Scotland wise, I'd probably go for um, Grant Hanley. Boring. Okay. No, he's been he's been the fastest player Scotland's had on this tournament. So I'm too. True. John, who would you go for? Uh, I'd just get my own name in the back. As always. Oh, no, uh, what number? Uh, Ten, probably. Uh, get, well, I could get brown eight if you want, and just be really weird. I <laughs> <laughs> need to get an Aberdeen top with brown eight on the back. <laughs> oh dear, see how you wear that. Um, in other news, closer to home. Uh, did you see the Falkirk teasers on Twitter today, John, of the new kits incoming? Yes, uh, I don't know about you, Andrew, but I have the rational fear that our home kit is not going to be navy blue next season. I don't think you've seen the second post. No, I probably haven't. <laughs> the second post is navy blue with white stripes. 
Like oh. it's kind of like pinstriped. Oh, so you're really looking. Go, you're going like back to like one. the TFG ones. Nah, so that's like coasters. Um, I'm sure yeah. there's a one that's like that. It's pinstripe. For, for the rest of our viewers, that's the that's the away one. Ish, you can kind of see it. It's like light, light, light blue. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I, you know I, what? Th- I think it will be nice. I do. I'm, I've got high hopes for tomorrow, but we'll find it well, <laughs> for the twenty first. Well, I was looking, and again, I said earlier, I like the light blue kits. Like my favorite Aberdeen kit is that sort of light blue shade of color. I wasn't that mad about them changing away from the navy blue. Uh, I thought it made a nice change. I would actually say to them, right, you need to earn the navy blue colours, right? Until you're out of this freaking league, you're not getting the navy blue back, right? <laughs> earn that colour. Uh, but I know a lot of fans were like, if it's no navy, I'm not buying it. Just plain navy. None of this pattern rubbish anymore. Just give me a plain navy vulgar job. Yeah. Uh, which just seems what they've done with the home kit, so we'll see what we'll see what turns out. Yeah, I think it's not... Uh, they've, they've had a bit more time this season, so hopefully they go back to what it has been a few years before that because it has been pretty decent we will see we will uh, stay tuned for another tier list incoming uh, for light blue kits that are in league one which I think is many <laughs> um, you know they're not going to be wearing that away kit against Farfar I thought Montrose yeah. was light blue but I think oh, it's dark blue is it mm. I feel like there was another light blue team maybe it was a league two I don't know getting confused anyway do we have any other points we want to bring up this week Nine more good mate. Well, <laughs> Great chat. <laughs> so on that note, uh, thank you if you've managed to listen to this as this far. If you have done so, please like and subscribe. It helps us out loads on the video. Follow us on all our social media challenges, <laughs> channels, not challenges. You can tell the vaccine's kicking in. Um, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, you can check out the website sofamanager.co.uk for all the Euros coverage. There were some great preview um, and group sort of roundups that got up in there. And eagerly anticipating John's uh, Spain, John Hughes comparison. So, it is a thank you very much for listening from myself, Paul. Cheers, guys. All the best. Thank you. And have a good evening, a good afternoon, and a good morning. Goodbye. <laughs>